lovelies, and welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you once again on the Outsports Podcast Network, and we've got a fun little surprise in store this week because uh, as some of the pandemic restrictions have lifted and other companies obviously have gotten back to doing their regular thing across the country. The same has been happening here in the Pacific Northwest where I am located and I needed a chance to talk about uh, my first true wrestle week that I've had um, since all of this went down <laughs> since since March. You know, obviously um, we went to uh, Paris is bumping. Uh, solid goal 21 with my partner KC, or I should rather say my fiance KC. And um, basically, we had the chance to check out some spots nearby us where we didn't have to get on planes and book hotel. Well, yes, we had to book a hotel room Once. for one night. <laughs> but <laughs> yes, uh, we had the chance to go up to Everett, Washington, and check out Without a Cause Pro Wrestling finally with their Rise of the Dragon number two event. And then one week later, uh, we saw DOA Pro Wrestling's 13-year anniversary event, Lucky 13, right here in Portland. Um, And, you know, I just wanted to take a chance to kind of reflect on some of those things. And, I mean, honestly, who better to do it than with the person who was there with me for most of these matches, uh, most of these events. But uh, my lovely fiancé, KC. How you doing, KC? Yo. (laughs) <laughs> oh man um obviously you haven't been on the show since we did our 100th episode or rather you did it since you we kind of exchanged chairs a bit but uh i don't know i it's i keep thinking back on that one still for obvious reasons uh if you haven't listened to it go listen to it it's fun and you get to hear me almost cry um but I don't know. <laughs> and it's just nice to have you back on and to be able to chat with you on the show again because we really only do this whenever there are it's events. few and far between. Yeah, events that I've been able to go to. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> no, I mean, it's it's always fun, honestly, whenever we get to go to some of these things and, and you thankfully indulge me i know i keep making the same joke i'm not, i'm trying to break that habit but <laughs> um but yeah no, we we went up to to whack we got up back out to doa for another show at least part of it i think you arrived like a little late so you get to see like the last half of the show yeah uh, of the doa show there but um i guess first and foremost like i don't know like before everything kind of shut down we were just kind of starting to get into some of the scene around here um what was it were you excited to have the chance to go back to some shows that were nearby yeah um the shows pre-pandemic were um of course memorable for me but there's just such a different energy um as crowds are coming back in uh like to physically watch shows so that was just really interesting to see that shift first off um but then just overall um the first one we went to uh with whack that just sounds like a weird name so i'm (laughs) struggling to just say whack um but i really enjoyed going to that show and yeah i only caught the last half of the promotion in portland um but I have some criticisms, but for most part, um, those were also fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And as for criticisms, we will definitely get into those because you're not the only one um, that has those uh, criticisms uh, because there's always something to critique with well, any yes. event. There's no perfect pro wrestling event. Right. Um, but uh, regardless, um, I think why don't we start with the WAG show that we went to because, I mean, that was the... The first one back, it was the first time we had been to WAC. You know, I had been aware of them for a little while now. You know, relatively new company. Um, actually coming up on their fourth anniversary show at the end of the month, on, on actually on Halloween Day. 
So they they are they have a nice uh, small history to them, but a vibrant one. And you know I've been wanting to check out some of their stuff. I've had one of the co-owners, Max, on the show um, back around WrestleMania time. Um, we have their current Stallions champion and the new number one contender coming out of this show that we went to, Kita, on the show in the past also. Um, so, like, I had a investment in wanting to check out this company for a while, and I was excited to finally get that chance. And it was awesome that this was the show that we got to go back and see because there were a number of standout events on it. There was a number of... Uh, matches that immediately jumped off the page to me whenever I saw them announced. And I was also excited because this show was going to be run in some cooperation alongside, um, or at least featuring a number of talents from Paradigm Pro Wrestling, a company out in, in uh, Indiana, um, Kentucky area, that I've really grown uh, fond of over the past couple of years. Um, of course, we've had one of the people that's been behind some of the creative stuff at that company, J-Rose, on the show as well, who was also there at the WAC show uh, ring announcing for, for some time. So I, I haven't really had a chance to see any of these the Paradigm people in person before. So getting that opportunity was pretty rad. Um, uh, what was, uh, what ma- was there any match that stood out to you personally? Good or bad? Um, well, actually, uh, I really, I, I, it's been a little while since we've been to these shows. Um, this one was at the end of September and that feels like forever from now, even though it's only the middle of October, but, uh, I really liked the tag team match in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, partly just because when, uh, both teams first came out. It was two of them, one from each team, I think, that decided that they needed to get shots from the bar. Yes, that would be uh, Dave Turner, the Black Sheep from the Bash Bros, uh, the current WAC Tag Team Champions, and uh, Bo Atlas, better known as the Hoodfoot uh, from the Lost Boys. <laughs> and I've just not seen that before in particular, and I don't know, that just, it struck me as hilarious um and this was coming off the um nick wayne and billy starks match oh yeah Um, we'll get i'll get i'll talk about that one in a minute but so there had already been a lot of what felt like crowd build up to me so just the energy in the room um was really fun sort of watching that match start um I think some people were disappointed by the ending of the match, um, but just me being way newer to the world of wrestling, I just hadn't seen, I didn't know what was going on. Mm. Um, so actually, maybe you should just uh, explain how yes. the ending of that match happened. So the team that the Bash Bros beat to become the first WAG Tag Team Champions um Interfered in the match and kind of had it ruled a no contest due to interference. So obviously setting up for something down the road there with Bash Bros um, and the tag team title picture. Um, Sorry, you were going to say something? I was just going to say, and like, I did not know that that happened. Mm -hmm. So when they interfered, I guess that meant that the match was over. But I didn't see why they couldn't keep fighting um and it kind of looked like they had kept fighting yes it, it, it broke out into a brawl basically with all four of the t- of the match participants beating up the, the interfering team <laughs> and then i thought the lost boys won overall so i guess i was a little bit disappointed when it turned out that they actually were just disqualified mm-hmm. but they ended the match just like they started by going and getting some drinks from the bar. Yes, exactly. Uh, which we were sitting by the bar and got to like, hear all the chatter that was going down as they as they waited for their shots and all that good stuff. Yeah, it was really awesome to get the chance to see Hoodfoot and Chase Holiday um, live and in person for the first time. Those are two people that I've really um, dug in deep on during the pandemic era. Um, 
or pandemic era. Oh, <laughs> God, I slapped slap my face um, the, during the pandemic. Um, and, you know, this is the first chance to see Dave Turner, who is a part of the community, um, you know, go with his tag team partner, uh, Chris Ross, who we've seen before, actually, under a different gimmick mm. uh, in DOA um, <laughs> a little while back. So it was just it was just rad to see um, rad to see them together uh, for the first time in person. Um, I I like that match um, for for what for what it was because like like you said it had some humor to it. It was very hard hitting also because you can't have Hoodfoot and Chase Holiday in a match and it not be hard hitting. <laughs> I mean Hoodfoot held the heavy hitters championship in Paradigm Pro Wrestling for like months um, before losing it earlier this year. So you know what you're getting into there. Um, and to the same token, the Bash Bros um, can can do that style as well, obviously. Bash is in their name. So, uh, yeah, I really like that one. But you brought up probably one of the matches that really stood out to me as soon as it was announced and one that delivered immediately, Nick Wayne and Billy Starks. Yeah, I really liked watching them. Yes, and I will say this. Um, if you ever want to have a midlife crisis, watch this match. Both of these, both of these wrestlers are, and I'm not kidding you, both of them on Twitter today as we're recording talked about taking their PST tees tomorrow. Their combined age is younger than I am right now. Because you're old. I know, right? <laughs> uh, anyway, it's just one of those things like wrestlers should not be this good, this young. But we're also talking about two people who were kind of raised around it. You know, um, you know, Billy's um, father um, is Mouse, who's a wrestling photographer, and that's kind of where Billy started, like going to shows with him. And then, uh, you know, Nick Wayne is the son of a Pacific Northwest wrestling legend and Buddy Wayne. So, like, there is a lineage there between both of them, and it shows without as how good they are, as young as they are, and they pulled out all the stops for this one. They were the second match on the show. And they wrestled like it was the fucking main event. They were just so good because they were intense in a lot of ways about it. But also they just, their expressions, you could just tell that they were just having so much fun in the ring. Like, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was just, it was a blast for them to have that opportunity. And I, that is a match that is definitely going to happen many, many more times um, down the line. Cause like, like I said, both of them are so young in, in the game. Um, I thoroughly look forward <laughs> to that rivalry as it keeps building up over, over the years here. Um, and I, I guess what was another match that stood out? We can kind of ping pong back and forth. Through. What was another one that, that stood out to you? Well, to me, it was kind of funny because the matches that we just talked about were, were the third and then the second, respectively. And mm. the first match. Okay. <laughs> Let's have this chat. You it was fine. <laughs> there was nothing wrong with it. We're going to give everybody a, a peek into our car conversation on the way home. <laughs> um, apparently, there's some local dude that everybody around here loves. Daniel McCabe. Yes. who I don't remember hearing or seeing before, but <laughs> everybody was so super stoked to see him. Yes. Because it was the first time he was back in the area from Canada, it sounded like, since pre-pandemic. Yes, he, he's, he lives in BC, and so he hasn't really been, he hasn't been at WAC since all of this went down, and he is like, le he's, he has legendary status at WAC. And so he was obviously a crowd favorite. I really liked Cabana Man Dan, who was his opponent. Yes. And I just could not understand all of the enthusiasm for Daniel. Again, not because he was bad or anything like that. Um, their match in general just didn't pull me in nearly as much as Nick Wayne and Billy Sarks. Um, the tag team title match. Um, so I don't know. It wasn't bad. It was just an interesting dynamic because just left me wondering, I guess. <laughs> so I, I think this is a good time to bring up the point that you made to me after the event when we were driving back to Portland about why the Maccabi 
uh, why this match didn't really like hook you in as much. And it kind of is about Makabe's style because Makabe mm-hmm. is very much a technical wrestler's technical wrestler. He is a a lot of ground based stuff, a lot of grappling, um, a lot of submission based stuff, which is part of what endears him to so many people, just because like people really like that style, along with just his whole demeanor about a, a lot of about a lot of stuff too. I tend to like that style though, but y- yes, but I think what you brought up though was that where we were sitting. We were not. Oh, we true. were like yeah. the furthest away from the ring that you could be in that in the in that small building where they have wax shows, and whenever you're not up close, some of that ground based stuff loses effect. Especially whenever you know you have not bad visibility, but you have some vis- visibility issues because of like you know people's heads in being taller than than the mat. And I completely forgot about that, and it's probably because I didn't see them for a lot of the show Mm -hmm. so i just i'm having trouble even like bringing up that match in my mind visually yeah and it's probably because i (laughs) you know they started in the ring and ended in the ring but there was a lot of out of the ring stuff yeah and like and and cabana mandan i'm I'm with you on him like he's somebody who i've really enjoyed watching um in the southeast mainly although he has broke uh moved up uh, to other places as well a lot in the mid-atlantic a lot in the uh, the rust belt uh, different companies there and he's outstanding as well you had i, I will say you had seen one daniel mccabe match previous to this and that's because he wrestled effie at the first doa show that we went to. okay yes so yeah i remember effie of course well, <laughs> I don't know how you can't remember Effie, honestly. Uh, but regardless of that, I I really enjoyed that this match though because you know I've I love both of their styles. You know, Cabana Man Dan um, has a lot of charisma to him. Has also can can go has a lot of unique offense there as well. And I think that their styles really meshed well together a lot because Makabe has also worked a lot in the Southeast. You know, he is very prominent when it comes to the scenic city invitational scene down there. Uh, he's worked with action in the Atlanta area a lot. So, um, I, I really enjoyed it. And, but I also understand like why it didn't necessarily suck you in. It, it all comes down to with her, and why I love professional wrestling is that there's so many different styles out there that there's always something that appeals to you, but that usually means there's also something that's probably not going to appeal to you as much. You can't, you can't, not everybody's going to like everything. Of exactly. Course. Different exactly. people have different tastes. And like I said, I usually do like um, a lot of that technical and submission work. I, I, um, I think you're right though. Like with not really being able to see it fully, um, that probably did impact how it landed for me. Because, mm-hmm. like, you know, all in all of the other matches, people go outside of the ring, too. But um, it was easier for me to tell exactly, or not exactly, but it was easier for me to tell what was going on more so. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess for me, with not really knowing what was going on, not being able to see much, and not really getting sucked in, it was really funny for me after the match um when everybody was just super super stoked and he was announcing the next time he would be in town i'm like "Mm, okay Mm -hmm. yeah because the next time he's in town is in november when he's challenging the new iwtv independent wrestling champion alex shelley which is going to be a technical masterclass of a match and i thoroughly hope to attend that match personally that would be dope for me um, and maybe we can get seats closer, so it's maybe more dope for you as well. I mean, I still had a good time. I know you had a good time. I just, I, you know, I, I, yeah. I, I just really like Makabe's, uh, Makabe's style. Almost said his name like Togi Makabe. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah. So I guess back to me. I one match I did want to highlight. You talked about a lot of the fighting outside of the ring. Um, I know there's one that's on your mind when it comes to that, but probably the one that's on my mind. Um, is Sonico and Cole Radrick. So we talk about another person who is very, very popular in the Pacific Northwest. Sonico, the Lucha Ghoul, um, you know, hadn't really seen him 
since for a while personally and that, that's not because you know he hasn't been appearing on shows here but you know he's also been spending some time in japan um going all over to different places uh in the u.s as well but he uh stepped into the ring with cole radrick former paradigm pro wrestling champion um and they had a uh, a wild brawl <laughs> that spilled out into the crowd and really showcased Cole Radrick's uh, ability to just be a complete asshole. <laughs> um, which is interesting because usually when and Cole has a lot of like heart to him and he like makes such a great baby face um, in his matches, but this really showed a side of Cole that is you don't really see because of that, but it was so, so effective. Um, of course, the match ends in a, a DQ. It ends with Sonico flying uh, over the post <laughs> with a uh, flipping uh, splash onto a group there. Um, so, I don't know. I really enjoyed this match. Uh, I, I will always say that Sonico was one of the people that really pulled me in to um, DOA because the first show we went to, which now that I think about it, was not the, the Effie uh, Makabe match show, but it was a different one. Um, Sonico and Ethan HD, who we'll talk about a little bit later, uh, wrestled for the DOA pure championship on that first show. We went to, and that match immediately sucked me in to, uh, the Portland wrestling scene just a short while after I moved here. Mm. So I, Sonico is always a favorite and I really, really enjoyed the way that this match kind of, worked out for both participants there that definitely makes sense Mm -hmm. and then the next i mean (sighs) objectively speaking i think this was probably my favorite match of the night Mm -hmm. um but it also ties into some of my criticism about how the show was laid out but it was um creepy goth guy versus aquaman <laughs> better better known as uh drexel versus matthew justice <laughs> which i don't i don't recall if i've seen matthew justice before but i've definitely seen drexel before yes drexel is a pacific northwest staple you know he's one half of the tag team champions in doa alongside dr cleaver the no lives matter tag team um and matthew justice we had not seen him live before but he is part of the second gear crew, which uh, also counts AJ Gray, Effie, Mance Warner as members, mm. so uh, he's definitely uh, usually around Effie on like GCW shows and stuff like that. And every time I've seen Drexel, like I, I've always really enjoyed um, matches with him in it. Um, apparently, because like his style it's so creepy or like cringy especially when they bring out the stapler but that's i mean that's anytime anybody ever brings out a stapler but this match in particular um was just so extra for me in that way um i mean they were stapling posters onto each other um Mm -hmm. maybe you should talk a little bit about the actual match well to start off with the stapler i love the fact that so alan angels was on this show from from the dark order on AEW, um and i love the fact that from where we were sitting once drexel and justice got out into the crowd uh alan angels went back to his merch table and tried to and grabbed a eight by ten photo of himself and trying to get them to staple that onto matthew justice's head uh which was just uh, hilarious to me to watch <laughs> yes. from where we were at. <laughs> so, um, but that being said, yes, this was just, uh, I mean, this was always known as going to be a hardcore, like weapon field match. That's usually what you get whenever you bring in Matthew justice. That's and, and Drexel obviously has that reputation here as well. Um, so yeah. And it just really drew the crowd in. Um, like a lot of these matches did, but, this one, like, drew in people who weren't necessarily there for the show. Um, mm-hmm. And it, overall, it was just a really fun match. Um, for me, this factors into my criticism a little bit just because I felt like it actually took away from the title match. Mm. 
which I also enjoyed watching, but it just seemed like the entire crowd was just done at that point. And um, the people fighting was uh, Keita Murray and Trey Lamar. So for me, it was a huge letdown that they had this really pumped up, exciting match um, before the tag or before the final match that ended with two really, really skilled black men. Mm-hmm. And just the Pacific Northwest just tends to be racist. Still, like, it's, it's really subtle. So like, nobody, I mean, I shouldn't say nobody is saying the N word around other people, but um, there are just so many times when we're at a local show and people just don't really engage with black wrestlers it was really disappointing and disheartening for me to see that play out here. Mm-hmm. Um, I just really felt like the title match, the last match did not get the attention that it deserved. Um, so even though objectively, I think Drexel versus Matthew justice was my favorite match. Um, just that dynamic really took away from um, from that match for me. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a match that expelled a lot of audience energy um, there. And I will say, like, Kita and Trey definitely got the crowd back into it by probably by, like, the, the, the third of the way into their match. But, yeah, like, that's... It, it sucks that, that, that some of that um, energy kind of got... Not necessarily sucked out, but that it was that it was there. As I'm well. just disappointed with my fellow Pacific Northwest mm-hmm. people. Yeah, <laughs> I can understand that. I mean, a lot of people don't really think about this area as having that history to it. So, yeah. So black people were excluded from Oregon for a really long time, and even once we were allowed here. Um. KKK presence was really big. A yeah. lot of people were still getting murdered for just existing while black. I mean, that still happens. Um, but yeah, Oregon has a pretty racist history that just isn't often talked about. Yeah, just uh, Google Mississippi Avenue if you want to have an afternoon of it. Well, I would say Google the history of Mississippi Avenue because Mississippi Avenue is now so gentrified, you will get a much different result if you just put in. Okay, yes, you're right. Mississippi that's that's a good that's a good point. That's a very good point. <laughs> uh, love you. Love you too. Um anyway. <laughs> but no, I, but speaking on the Kita and Trey match though, that like Kita is someone that I've been really excited to see live, you know, another member of the community. Um and you know, someone who has been really kind of holding down whack like during the the little the small amount of content that they have put out during the pandemic and then coming back into the restart um, so much so that they are setting up their anniversary show with Kita challenging Chris Bay who wrestles for Impact Wrestling he's here for New Japan Pro Wrestling who is the WAC heavyweight champion so um, they're definitely putting Kita in a spot that that is well deserved and Trey is someone who has been you know, making a name for himself for for a number of years now in the Midwest and other places, and and I'm glad to see him kind of get a chance to branch out to to new areas as well. I think this is the first time that I've I could be wrong about this, but I think this was the first time that Trey wrestled in in the Pacific Northwest. So hopefully, it's not the last time either, because Trey is a really exciting uh, young wrestler. Mm. Um, yeah, so. I don't know. I really enjoyed that match, though, for what it was. I thought that Kita's promo calling out Bay at the end had a lot of, uh, like, vigor to it. And um, I am super stoked for, for whenever that match uh, goes up on Wax YouTube channel, which it's very apt that we're talking about this show right now because the show went up, all the footage from that show went up today oh. on Wax YouTube channel. So all these matches we're talking about, you can go watch them for Spoiler. free right now. Hey, it's, hey, you know what? That's not about the destination. It's the journey. Oh, not everything I is. I want to slap myself with a Live, Left, Love uh, wooden placard right now for 
throwing out something that basic. Anyway, um, before we move off of this show, though, there is another, at least one other match I wanted to highlight here uh, for myself. And um, that would be Veda Scott and Rebel Kell. Uh, because this was the other match on the card that featured a member of the community in Veda Scott, who identifies as non-binary. So, um, you know, the only non-binary representation on the card uh, on this on this show. And going up against another stalwart in WAC and other Pacific Northwest companies in Rebel Kell, who, um, you know, is kind of getting back into the, the thick of things here uh, since the, the pandemic started so I, it was a really fun match i really love the way that veda plays heel um because they they suck you in 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 a way that you know what's coming but you're just waiting for it to happen um and i don't know it's just they're just really really fun to watch personally and i'm glad that they're starting to get back into the ring more they've been doing a lot of commentary work lately mm. you know they they did commentary for AEW a little bit last year they actually were just commentating on impacts uh, all women's show knockouts knockdown from the past weekend as well so you know they've been getting more commentary work as well as getting back into the ring a bit more um, another recent match that really stood out to me from them would be their match against Edith Surreal at the Big Gay Brunch in Chicago from Labor Day weekend, so yeah, I was I was stoked to have the chance to uh, to see Veda and and Rebel kind of tear it up a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The sort of last thing that stuck out to me about this match, um, it's a very small criticism, mm-hmm. um, but the in a three way match. Um, Ziggy Dice did the okay sign, which is kind of a co-opted white power, white supremacy hand gesture at this point. Um, And I don't know. It's controversial about whether people, whether it's okay for people to like make that sign or not. But again, just... Being in the Pacific Northwest, I think I'm already a little bit on edge with feeling like the crowd doesn't care for black wrestlers. So then that happening after the first match that had black wrestlers, especially, like really rubbed me the wrong way. And again, I'm sure it's just not making the connection between this recently in history co-opted white supremacist symbol Mm -hmm. um but that just bothered me and i had to say something yeah no and i you know from the the limited knowledge that i know of zicky because i don't know zicky but i know people that do know zicky and i've watched some of his twitch stuff that is just bonkers at times i mean i don't know why anybody would feel the need to pour gallons of honey on themselves but you do you zicky um you know i to me like that red is him doing like the more broy version of it in terms of like you know made, like whole made you look sort of thing or like the game sort of thing i don't know why i'm doing the symbol and with my hands while i'm <laughs> talking about it because that's not cool but at the same time like yes like that i think that like i totally understand where you're coming from with this as well and like at the end of the day, like it is a symbol that's been co-opted by, by a, a group um, that has been very, very active in this area. Yep. But yeah. people will also make the argument that we should just keep doing it. Cause then it won't mean anything to white supremacists, but it still does mean something to white supremacists regardless. Yeah. That's why the cops still do it anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I completely understand that. And it, it did like kind of suck some of the the air Just out of Just because I things. immediately was complaining to you about well, it. Well, no, but I noticed it too. And I was like, okay, I think I know why he's doing this, but also why is he doing this in in this area, you know? So I don't know, you know. Either way, like that match, you know, that also featured Alan Angels and Chase James, which Chase James is a whack regular, former whack champion. Um, and Alan Angels, we already talked about, you know, from AEW, who also is a, 
a regular in action as well. So um, that was a that was a it was a fun match, I would say. But yeah, it was definitely that that moment kind of stuck, I think, in both of our minds while while watching it, and it kind of like distracted a bit mm-hmm. at times. Yeah, for so, sure. Yeah. All in all, though, the WAC show was really fun. Also, real quick, I do want to shout out Izzy James and Titus Alexander, who had an outstanding match. Titus, mm-hmm. another super young talent that is that has all of the green in front of them um, when it, to make a football reference. Uh, they He has an outstanding future ahead of him as well. So, yeah, all in all, though, the WAC show was really fun, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Yens. Thank you so much for tuning in to LGBT in the Ring. Uh, we'll get right back into the thick of things, but I do want to take a pause real quick and say thank you to some amazing people that make this show as rad as it is. Starting off with Daniel Quasar, the Progress Pride flag designed by Daniel Quasar is a product of Progress Initiative. You can find out more at Quasar.digital. A big thank you to Sarah in the Safe Word for the show's theme song, Formula 666, off the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSW Band, and you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp at sarahinthesafeword.bandcamp.com. Um, check out independentwrestling.tv for the best in current and classic independent pro wrestling, including live events from top independent promotions worldwide. Uh, you can use our promo code LGBTRingPod or visit tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT and peruse their entire library uh, over there at independentwrestling.tv. Once again, promo code LGBTRingPod or go to tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT check out that service uh, you can follow the show on twitter at lgbt ring pod you can follow me on twitter at wonderboy otm and if you're into video games definitely check out my video game news show the mr video game super show i co-host that with uh, twitch streamers slacker kite and lady Merwin every monday at 8 p.m eastern 5 p.m pacific over on twitch.tv slash dead sun entertainment uh, it's your weekly roundup of gaming news, uh, and it's always a blast. So once again, check that out every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, over at twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment. Sun like the star. We'll be right back with more LGBT in the ring. And then the DOA show, um, you know, you were only there for the last three matches, so we'll talk about those a little bit. But before we get there, I just want to hit, like, a couple of, like, things from the first half of the show that I watched. That was a lot of fun. Um, shout out to Jaden of the uh, the Unbelievable because he surprised everybody by showing up at this show in the opening match. Um, you know, turning the uh, Titus Alexander and HBQ singles match into a three-way just, like... I want to say like a little more than a week after his partner gave first to their gave birth to their first child, and there was, you know, kind of a question as to whether Jaden would be there or not. So they just, you know, so that was awesome to be able to see Jaden again. Um, you know, someone who's I've really enjoyed watching at DOA in the past as well. Um, Abigail Warren and Rebel Kell had a really fun match. Uh, Abigail Warren, another member of the community who, um, you know, competed at Full Queer earlier this year uh, in the Prince X of Pride Championship Tournament, and it was awesome to see her uh, get back into the ring. And then um, Sonico and Jason Sullivan had a um, a hardcore fight <laughs> that uh, at one point <laughs> Sonico uh, got some skewers into Jason Sullivan's forehead. Mm. Which was dope to see, honestly. Uh, for me being a fan of some deathmatch stuff, that was uh, a fun one. And then, of course, the Bash Bros were there as well. Um, they were taking on the Konami Code in a tag team match, so it was awesome to see Dave again, um, and Dave and Chris, and the Konami Code as well, who we haven't seen for a while, even before DOA stopped running. So, or at least from the shows that, that we have been to, so... I don't know. It, that that was some fun stuff in, during the first half of that show. Um, yeah, I miss Drexel. Yeah, yeah. Drexel and, and Cleaver came out and had an impromptu tag team title match against uh, Bubba Blanchard and Malcolm Flex. 
um, or uh, Flexi Clauses. You might remember him better. Yes. Yes. Uh, so that was that was fun as well. And then um, there was oh, what was the other one? That was one that was just in my brain and then ran away. Oh, Drake Kwan. Drake Kwan uh, is another person to kind of watch coming out of this area. You know, he's he's another person who's young in the business. Um, he had a really fun match with Jacob uh, Jacob Oso, um, another person who's been making a name in this area as well. That was a lot of fun too. So definitely check out Drake Kwan um, whenever you have a chance. Yeah, I was disappointed that I missed that first half. Mm-hmm. But you did come in for probably the three hottest matches of the night, though. Right on time to see Daniel Wakabe. Yes, you did. <laughs> the first match that you walked, that you came into, <laughs> Daniel Wakabe and Big Ugly for the DOA Pure Championship. Uh, this one was a bit different than the Cabana Man Dan match. You know, it wasn't. There was definitely some ground-based stuff in there, um, some mat-based stuff rather. Uh, but this one also because kind of catered to Big Ugly style too, which is much more brawl striking uh, there. Um, which also, fun fact, Big Ugly is Abigail Warren's uh, dad. I also believe he's Titus Alexander's dad. Um, so uh, that was a, a lot of fun to watch, honestly, because it kind of showcased more of Maccabi's striking abilities along with his ability to kind of brawl a little bit more, break away from the map-based style a bit. Um, but still implement a good amount of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed how that match kind of came to its climax, and it was a nice, hefty. It got a lot of time for what it was, and you know, it was just probably the best big ugly match that I've seen for in a while. Um, you know, he, I think, knowing that this was like not only was it DOA's first show since the pandemic, but it was also their 13th year anniversary. Like, this was a chance for Big Ugly, who's been a a person that is synonymous with DOA um, over its history, to kind of stand out again. And and he definitely did that Mm -hmm. in this match with with Daniel. Yeah, and just to bother you, I just had to root for him (laughs) instead of Daniel. I totally understand. I totally understand. Just to poke at you, because really... I don't want to come off like I'm hating Daniel Wakabe because that's really not the case. Um, I just like giving Brian shit. I know. So Daniel Wakabe retains. It was a really, uh, really good match, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I will always take the opportunity to watch Daniel Wakabe wrestle. Always. Always, always. Um, oh, and then the next match. Yeah. Well, you want to bring back the old Oregon's history of... Uh, Racial imagery and racial no. things trained. I'll just I'll just cut to the chase. Yeah, okay. Indiana Jones wrestler with a whip, wrestling a black guy. At least this time he did not use the whip in the wrestling match versus a black guy. That is true. Um, DOA for some reason you always make me want to root for the heel or the whoever is not the crowd favorite. Because again, Indiana Jones. What's his What's his wrestling name? I was going to get to the actual. <laughs> names of the wrestlers here so this was for the doa grand championship which is their top title uh current champion pitfall jones who obviously is is a send-up of both the uh the pitfall video game series and indiana jones uh taking on ethan hd um you know one of the people that i've really grown fond of over uh, my investing into the pacific northwest area and learning more about it and watching more stuff here um but like you said it is very much uh indiana jones with a whip a uh, dude comes to the ring with a whip. White guy with, with yes, a whip. Yes. Uh, and Ethan HD, very much a black man. Um, which, uh, if you'll remember the last time that we talked about a DOA show on this show, um, was whenever Pitfall Jones was, defi- well, I think either, I think he won the title this time against HBQ, another yes. black man in the main event of the show that we went to. Talk Who about. was also the heel of that show. Mm-hmm. definitely not the crowd favorite so again these shows are just like they just seem to be designed to favorite the white men um god i'm sorry i'm like really racially critical tonight <laughs> i if it's there to to talk about then it should be talked about though you know because this is something that you know, we, we discussed, like, because the last time we went to a show, 
from DOA that was... the same thing happened. The same thing happened, yes, but also that was, like, almost two years ago at this point. Yeah. So, like, like I know that there was a long layoff there, but, like, the same complaint that we had about the main event there was also here. Um, and, you know, d- take nothing away from the actual wrestling of the match, because, like, Ethan and Pitfall, they're both very talented. They both put on an outstanding match. Really mm-hmm. fun. But also, but like much like how we talked about with Zicky, I think that the the imagery from the very beginning overshadows some things and distracts away from what they're doing in the ring. Right, and for me, like, dude looks like Indiana Jones. He doesn't need to be carrying around a whip for us to get it. So, like, to me, again, we're in the Pacific Northwest. There's a lot of white people. Most of the wrestlers on these shows are white. So usually he would probably be wrestling another white person. But at some point when you are wrestling, you will face a black wrestler. And if you don't face a black wrestler at any point, that's also a problem. So either way, this problem was going to come up. And I don't know how it got approved um, aside from probably people of color just really not being involved in Pitfall Jones character development. Um, I don't know. Yeah. You'd probably know more about that. I mean, I honestly don't honestly, I mean, I, I know the, I I've met the owner of DOA. I don't know who uh, like books DOA though. I don't know uh-huh. if, like if he does it by himself or if there's other people involved there. I'm not going to speculate on who it is, who does book that sort of stuff. But like, there is a clear like, uh, thing there where like a lived experience is not being factored in, and I guess or even the only just thing a history thing is not yeah. being factored in. And the only thing that I can say this time is, well, at least he didn't like use the whip in the ring. Yes, so that that's he did not, not a big improvement. Yeah. So, but the match was fun. Uh, out. Putting that to the side, which honestly you can't. Um, it was still fun, of course. Yeah. I, I it was a, it was an enjoyable match. Those two were outstanding, and you know Pitfall retains, and we end up setting up for our next matchup in Pitfall's title defense run here. Whenever Sonico comes out and spits the black mist into Pitfall Jones's face, pockets hand, yeah. So we're getting Sonico and Pitfall Jones at some point, whether it be next month or another or a couple months down the line. At some point, Sonico and Pitfall Jones are getting into the ring together, and that is going to be uh, super fun. <laughs> honestly, um, I I I immediately as soon as like I saw the Pitfall retained, like I was hoping Sonico would be the next challenger personally, because it just it just makes all the sense in the world to me, um, and also bias. <laughs> towards Sonico personally, but yeah, super dope to see that program whenever it gets going here. Um, but that was not the, the final match on the card. That was not the main event because the main event was, uh, our good young friend, Nick Wayne, uh, less than a week removed from that banger with Billy Starks coming in and facing off against a former new IWGP junior heavyweight tag team champion, El Phantasmo. Yeah, I really liked that match too. Mm-hmm. So, first off, I know that you know I've shown you a lot, a, a good amount of New Japan, but I don't know if I've ever shown you a Phantasmo match before. No, not not a match specifically with okay. him. Well, first, since you had seen Nick Wayne, you know, recently before this, what did you? What were your thoughts on Phantasmo whenever you got the chance to to see him live? So I remember liking this match. Um, I'm having difficulty remembering specifics from the match, aside from Nick Wayne and his very shiny pants with the heart on his ass, just because they were really cute pants. (laughs) But then also, you know, it's just really fun to watch him wrestle. No, it it is a whole lot of fun to watch him. And I think that putting him in the ring with Phantasma, one, this was uh, a huge test early in, in Nick's career to be in there with someone like Phantasmo, who is a veteran who has um, reached some pretty high places um, in New Japan so far. Um, 
and someone who uh, really interacts well with Nick's style. You know, Fantasmo has a, a, a very agile, high-flying, uh, actual wrestling style, but he implements that really well with a lot of um, heel work, a lot of uh, antagonizing crowds, a lot of interacting with crowds. Um, I think he was the really, one I was rooting for. I that night. Oh, no, I was rooting for both of them because I, they, they both were really good. Yeah. Um, uh, but and I will say sometimes Phantasma takes it a little too far with with heel stuff. He did not on this night, which was nice to see. Uh, hopefully that's a sign of maturity for him. But um, you know that being said, like yeah, this match was just off the wall. Rad. There was somebody who did. I think this was that match. What? Wasn't he pretty antagonistic towards he- Nick? Oh yeah, he was antagonistic towards Nick, but I mean, like in terms of like towards the fans, like Phantasmo has yeah. had some incidents in his past where he's been like, you know, a little bit too much with with fans sometimes. Oh, okay. Um. So, yeah. I just remember thinking him being a heel, like what he was doing was just really funny. Yeah. See, that's the thing. Like when it, when it's in the ring and and that sort of stuff, like Phantasmo was really great at just being a fucking dickhead, and that drew me in and. Yeah, I was cheering for both of them, but I definitely was cheering for him, El Fantasma, more just because <laughs> his personality in the ring. Yeah, no, and, and it definitely uh, exuded in this match as well. You know, that they brawled on the outside. They had a lot of the a lot of uh, one upsmanship between the two of them. Um, and Nick Wayne gave him a run for for his money in this match, and, and, and of course, Phantasmo had to rely on his old faithful distract the referee <laughs> and straight up punch a person in the in the dick uh, to get the pinfall, which has become his uh, his go to at times. So much so that I would argue it's a uh, second finisher at this point. <laughs> um, so <laughs> so in that is like it was a really, really awesome match and it really showed where Nick Wayne is right now. Especially that, you know, after the match, you know, a lot of these like shows of respect are kind of I don't know if I should go as far to say cliche in wrestling after after a match, but this one felt true in a way. You know, knowing Nick's short history in the ring so far. Um, and the kind of, the, the kind of match that he had with Phantasmo, um, it was really awesome to see him kind of get the, uh, the approval or, or the, um, the cosign, uh, from, from Phantasmo here post-match. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a great way to close the show, honestly, you know, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, so I don't know if you had any final thoughts on, on that match or anything else on the DOA show. No, not specifically, just because I had missed a good chunk of the event that night. Mm-hmm. What well, about you? Anything else that stood out for you? I think I was just really excited to see DOA come back, you know, because like they have been really quiet during the pandemic and so much so that like there was a kernel of doubt as to whether it would come back. I, was, mm-hmm. I mean, nothing ever really pointed to that, but you always have that doubt, you know. Mm-hmm. And they are really the main company that runs in, in Portland on a regular basis. You know, mm-hmm. Prestige Wrestling is a, is a company that um, runs some runs throughout kind of this area as well, but they don't run Portland as regularly as DOA does. Mm-hmm. And so, and and I really love what Prestige does, but I did not want to see DOA go away. Right. You know, and so I'm really glad that DOA came back as well. Um, and it's just, it's making me really, really excited for what the next year to two years has in store for this area, because there's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of amazing, talented pro wrestlers and personalities that have really wrote, uh, raised their profile and raised their stock, um, mm-hmm. through, through, through the pandemic, honestly. Um, and a lot of them are going to be either already are here or going to be coming out this way because this, I feel like this is uh, an area that's just ready to explode, honestly, mm-hmm. um, when it comes to the, the passion that you see people. And just the fact, just look, I, I always go back to like, the reaction that, that uh, Makabe or Makabe. Makabe. <laughs> Sorry. I, You're good. I'm so used to saying Togi Makabe in New Japan that it just <laughs> always like throws me off sometimes. Anyway, um, seeing Makabe return to whack, like that reaction like is what I feel like this whole area is ready to do when when it comes to what the pro wrestling that is going on here. 
mm-hmm. and I am all the way here for it, and I, and I can't wait to see what is in store in the near future for for these companies out here. Yeah, well, I know we couldn't make the October show with without a cause, but they do have the Ah Real Wrestlers show in November. Yes, they do. Headlined by Daniel Macabe. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and Alex Shelley, which uh, I need to see that match personally. Um, either way, um, I'm just glad that the Pacific Northwest is getting back to it. I'm glad that we are able to get out to these shows and um, always very, very happy to share these experiences with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you for, for taking the time to talk about these things with me, sweetie. Yep. my thanks once again to casey for coming on and talking about these shows it's always fun to kind of sit down and and unpack and discuss these things with them it's uh it's a it's just a blast honestly i and i thoroughly enjoy sharing these experiences with them and you know the conversations are just really interesting um, pretty much any time that it comes to pro wrestling between us. So, um, yeah, uh, that is it for this week's show. Although I do want to take um, some time real quick to talk about some things. I normally do this at the beginning of the show, but um, due to the structure of this week's show um, and any time that Casey comes on, um, uh, I think that that time is going to be set aside for here because, you know, the past week has been very busy for me as you, if you've been to the Outsports uh, front page over the past uh, eight, nine, ten days, there's been a lot of stuff from me going up there, uh, pro wrestling wise, you know, the article on Connolly, the article on Enjoy, um, but one that uh, I put in a lot of legwork on to kind of better clarify the situation around is the situation with Stallion Rogers. Um, I'm not going to go fully in depth on everything uh, with that situation outside of, you know, he made some transphobic and um, frankly uh, derisive comments towards the speaking out movement on a podcast last year and those comments resurfaced. Um, you know, he's since put out an apology, um, but that is also cost him uh, some bookings with multiple companies. The number's up to five now that I've confirmed with uh, with myself and Outsports that that have basically uh, canceled appearances with him. Um, but I bring up Stallion Rogers. If you want to learn, learn more about that situation, the article's up on Outsports. Um, all that stuff's out there. But... Uh, Another one that came to my attention today as I'm recording this was with uh, Colt Cabana. And, um, you know, I'm still kind of bringing myself up to speed a bit on everything around that and all the the different circumstances. But um, regardless of anything around the situation, let me just say this. Um, Homophobic language does not belong in any conversation, in any context, at all. And, uh, yeah, it's truly disheartening to see uh, people continue to speak over uh, the queer people that are subjected to this, um, you know, accepting apologies and and, um, putting out an an absolution of of these issues whenever the people that it actually affects, um, you know, aren't saying the same things. People that do not understand what it means to be subjected to that kind of ridicule and uh, discriminatory language, um, or any form of discrimination for that matter, true systemic discrimination, might I add. You have no right to speak over uh, the communities that have experienced that, that do know what that feels like. No right at all. I know that I'm preaching to the choir for most of the people that listen to this show, but I just had to get this out of my system because it's super frustrating to see, um, you know, you know, Colt 
has put out apology has put out an apology. He apologized during the stream. I know that he put out an apology on Twitter after being uh, called out. Um, but it's not the place of cishead white men in this instance to accept an apology on behalf of a queer person who was insulted in this instance regardless of what you think of Colt regardless of your uh, whatever opinion you had of Colt before he said what he said or after it's not your place at all um, yeah I think that's a good place to end it for this week <laughs> we'll be back next week with another uh, episode and uh, the week after that the week after that so on and so forth um, I will have um, a little bit of an update on QWI stuff not the list but there's something extra special I'm doing um, additionally this year um, and we'll see how it goes and maybe it becomes another annual thing that I do but more information on that next week um, and until then, y'all stay messy, wash your hands, wear your mask, get vaccinated if you haven't already, and if you can, and make sure to check out this new young upstart rookie that I've been hearing so, so much about, one M.V. Young. I think I said that right. Bye. Everybody's ready to die. They didn't see it coming from the top of the bridge. She made a deal with the demon for a